Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Talk of Money in the Morning Live with your main man, H. Cortez. These morning on the financial health network, black community, where I do my best to bring practical food and wealth building strategies to working men and women all over this great nation. It is truly an honor and a privilege to come to you guys each and every morning. And this morning, we're coming to you live from the Mikey Learns About Business studio. Guys, I'm on the quest, uh, you know, as I, I mentor this young entrepreneur and now author. And he said, Coach, I want to be a best-selling author. I said, all right, that's what the goal is. Let's get it done. So we're on a quest to help him meet his goal. So next Saturday, we want everybody to log into Amazon and download his ebook. I think it's going to be on sale for $1.99. Everybody goes and downloads it for $1.99 at the same time. We can make this young man an Amazon best seller. So you're going to see a large campaign coming out about this. You're probably going to see some posts uh, all over the place, man. But I'm super excited for even to even have that as a goal. Uh, that That's just powerful, man. It's, it just goes to show uh, what happens when you make sure you don't set the bar too low for children. And now because he's accomplished this, he got his own business, got his own book. Now he's just super excited, man. And, and he's just, just shooting for the stars, man. So that's what this thing is all uh, about. So be on the lookout for that. If you haven't already, go to his fan page, uh, Mikey Knows Biz, uh, B-I-Z, and go ahead and uh, make sure you like the page and you get a copy of the uh, pre the book there. So let's get ready. Let's get ready. Let's get ready to rumble, as my man uh, Michael Buffett would say, uh, before a big fight. You guys are going to be in for a treat. Uh, this young lady, again, uh, is someone who is near and dear to me. Uh, it has helped me in my business a, a, a ton. She's uh, an accomplished accountant with her own firm, uh, and she knows a ton about business and how to uh, get your stuff set up right. I want to talk a little bit about that, talk a little bit about who she is, uh, and whatever she wants to share on her, on, on this show is fair game, man, because this is her show today. Uh, it gives me a great amount of honor and pleasure to be able to present to some and introduce to others, Miss Yvette D. Best. Good morning, young lady. How's it going? Yeah, good morning. How are you? Good morning, everybody. Um, just very happy, humbled, and blessed to be here. Um, let's get it. All right, good deal, good deal. <laughs> Before we jump into the books, because you now have a second book, out on Amazon.com and create space. We know uh, maximizing your refund. So I'm going to talk a little bit about both of those. But for those who don't know you, uh, go ahead and give everybody a little bit about your background, a little bit about who you are, and why you're so freaking special, man. I am the hardest working person that you may know um, <laughs> who has overcame a lot of adversity to make it to where I am today. Um... I was preparing last night. I had this whole talk, but um, it was something that happened that I was reading on Facebook that has led me to go into a whole different direction. I just want women, men to just love yourself a little more. I say that because all of my life I have been totally underestimated and I gave in to that nay talking of what I couldn't become what I wouldn't become, what I wouldn't achieve because of things that um, have happened to me that I had no control over mm -hmm. and things that decisions that I made that may have been bad choices, 
but they led to the right conclusion. Right. I'll give you an example. Like most people know, who know me for over a long period of time know that I am an only child. My mother's an only child. My grandma was an only child. But they passed away when I was very young. By the time I was 14, I was already living on my own and been living on my own ever since. Wow. Um, to grow up with your grandparents without your parents and have people um, say that you will never become anything because, look, she's, she lives with her grandparents. She's an orphan. If she would have never, she's never going to amount to anything. And you hear that constantly. You may give in to that. But there was still some small fire in me that allowed me to say that I would not become what these people are. I will not become one of these project people. I grew up in the projects, Marble Hill Houses, even though it was in Riverdale near the Bronx, it was still the project. <laughs> I will not become like these people here. I will not let my dreams die. It took a while because I still was having doubts. Everything I was doing and I was achieving, and I still was self-doubt in me because it was self-doubt it didn't have nothing to do my talent and ability was on fire i still kept thinking i just needed to do more and be more instead of just letting my fire just go phoenix <laughs> right right so i just tell i want to tell people that because um where i am now i could have easily have been 20 years ago easily because at that time i already was doing taxes since 1989. I had already been the top person in my craft as far as numbers is concerned, and I still am. And with that being said is I do, I am an accountant. I have my own firm, but I also have a full-time job. I'm a project controller for a company. Um, I maintain and control a $20 million budget for that company for the city of Atlanta. And with that, I have a full firm. So this is why I actually go harder on um, independent tax professionals who tell me they do this all year, but I see they're not putting the education, the dedication, or anything into the craft. And I know we go at odds, but I, in, my, in my eyes, I say, hey, I have a full-time job where I'm doing numbers all day, and I still take and learn more about taxes. And if no one didn't know me, they would just know I was an accountant because of all the stuff that I do with taxes, it just like I have a full-time firm. That's it. That's all I do. Mm -hmm. So I just want to let women out here know, one, love yourself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Do not be discouraged by anybody who puts any type of negative talk on you and don't allow yourself to give into that negative talk and just right. be your best you. Wow. That, that's amazing. And, and I love that you started out with love yourself a little bit more because I don't think women get it. Um, and, and I'm glad to have another woman come on and say it because I, I try to lift them up and inspire and, and get them there all the time is the whole world is going because of you, your presence or because of the absence of your presence. So I think when women start to love themselves a little more, they're going to start expecting a little bit more from themselves. And when you start expecting more from yourselves, women, especially black women, then you start to demand more from us. And I promise you this, y'all, if you demand it of us, we will give it to you. We will become that. We will 
Yes. Everything we do is for y'all, man. When, when it is all said and done, everything we do is for y'all. Problem is, there's quite a few of y'all that don't demand us to do any damn thing. So we don't. So love yourself a little bit more. Uh, don't give in to the name. That's some good stuff, Yvette. So uh, you are the author of two books. And, and it's funny that you say that, that you are, are a full-time employee and at the same time you're a full-time entrepreneur. I don't get that a lot. Uh, talk a little bit before we get into your books about the importance of, you know, still going after your dreams uh, without necessarily feeling like you got to jump ship from your employer right away. Well, um, I can say in my instance, I just happen to have a love of numbers. And I guess because in people's mind, they think tax season is just the beginning of the year, which for me, I'm doing taxes all year long. Right. Um, but I do have a unique situation that I only work Monday through Thursdays. I'm off Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. So that gives me plenty of time to do anything that I like to do. Mm -hmm. um, I would say to most people, I know it probably would be harder if I did work five days a week because I did work five days a week and I was running my firm and I was burning candles at both ends. Right. I still do that now, but it's the dedication that I want. But I also know that, to me, my firm is my main job. I always tell you that the, the job you go to in the daytime, that's the side hustle. I side hustle there. It's my first investor. It's the interest-free loan that goes towards my firm. Right. I always firmly believe of having multiple streams of income because mm -hmm. you never know if you, like you always said, if you allow the first job to feed you, you'll never... Once he takes that food away from you, oh no, I got my firm is over here. I just got to find a, I got to find a replacement for that income. Right. So it's never been a problem for me being a full-time employee and a full-time entrepreneur. I think that is something important, especially if I have somebody that's listening or hears this and says, I don't think I can do it. You can. I'm telling you, I am a full-time mother, four children. I am um, I am a wife. I've been married since 96. Me and my husband have been together since 1993. That might help too because my husband helps me out a lot. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to feel that because you work a nine to five, eight to four, seven to three, that you cannot now go home and do something from five to nine. Turn the TV off. Turn off your phone. Get mm -hmm. on through your dreams. The less time you spend on television, the more you're going to get accomplished. The less time you spend on Facebook, except if you're watching us, the more <laughs> you're going to get accomplished. <laughs> because it's, it, it is hard. Don't, yeah. but I'm telling you, for those who know me, know right now, like these last six years, I've been living my best life. I've been a full-time employee, a full-time entrepreneur. I go where I want to go. I do what I want to do. But I'll give you the first tip. First, you have to decide to do what you want to do for you and no one else. And don't let no one else stop you from what you're going to do. If you say this is what you're going to do, then that's it. Don't give in to what people want you to have, wear, buy. Just say, this is how I decide I'm going to live and just go with it. And you're going to be the better for it. Yeah. Well, for you guys, that, that's the key. 
Uh, sometimes you, you, if, if you can't get it wrapped around in your mind that, um, you know, motivation is, is, is external, inspiration is internal. So you have to inspire or be inspired by something that you want to achieve for yourself. And that's what, what, what pushes you and propels you through all the junk. And I think, I think you keep saying uh, a one word or one phrase that people, uh, if they can just fix in their mind, that it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But when you fix it in your mind, one of the things that I do with, with my young athletes is I give them tasks so freaking hard and watch them propel and push themselves through it that when they get in the game, the game is easy. Because in the game, you don't have to run a thousand laps. In the game, you don't have to do a thousand push-ups. But if you're, that's how you're preparing and practice, then you show up in the game. So if you can prepare in your mind that, yes, I'm going to start a business. Yes, I'm going to be an entrepreneur while I work, while I tend to the kids, while I tend to my husband. No, it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to get it done. You just fix that in your mind, then it does actually become a little bit easier. So you've written two books because of your background. Uh, let's talk about uh, the first one we want to talk about is uh, the benefits of becoming an LLC. And I know uh, we've had this conversation and I've got to still become an LLC. But school me, tell, tell me why it should be a good idea for me uh, as a business owner, running my own business, full-time entrepreneur. So uh, let's talk about why. Or give me some of those benefits of becoming an LLC. Okay, so again, remember we talked about the multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm. So I'm a firm believer of separating and segregating i know you're not gonna like that word segregating your income whatever okay. businesses you have going on i believe you should separate them from any other activity that you have going on reason being if i have multiple llc's and once you start accomplishing more and doing more your face is out there it's not um basically you're just waiting till when you're going to be sued because it's going to happen. Somebody's going to feel they're going to get some money from you. Any little confrontation or something, they may feel they want to put in a lawsuit. They sue the company. You're only going to get the assets that's in that company. You're not going to get to touch anything else that I have. This is the reason why I say, people will say, well, I can just start um, a corporation and put all my businesses under the corporation. This is freedom of information. It wouldn't take that long for the person to find out the parent company of all the companies that you have and sue the parent company and then have access to all of your other companies. Separate, separate, separate. I, if you have, I would give you an example. I have multiple real estate investors. Um, the level that they're on right now, they're doing land trust to keep the identity of the properties out of people's eyes because they don't want people to know what properties they own. Then they're, converting that, they're selling that land trust to an LLC and that LLC is separate from them. So it, take, it will take you a lot of digging before you will get to them. So the main thing is you want to make sure you separate every one of your business activities from each other. If you're an author, that's one LLC. If I'm tax accounting, that's another LLC. If I'm a speaker, that's another LLC. I'm a new business coach, that's another LLC. Um, I have my own publishing house. That's another LLC. 
is just separate because if something happens, if somebody wants to sue, you're only going to get the assets of that one business and not everything. Wow. That's powerful. Uh, and, and especially for somebody like me who uh, I have several entities, so uh, I definitely have to separate them uh, uh, through the, the, the LLC. So outside of the limited liability, uh, what are some of the other, uh, a couple other benefits? So I know that if I have them separate, you can't touch assets from all of my enterprises because they are all separate entities. Uh, mm-hmm. And you talked a little bit about land trust and things of that nature. Any other benefits out of uh, becoming LLC that most people just kind of don't think about? Because uh, I think limited liability is one of the first things that people think about. Okay, so one of the main benefits that most people do not think about is the fact that if you have an LLC, you can lease personal assets to your corporation. Wow. Now, you want to do this not as a disregarded entity. You want to actually be having an LLC where you're paying yourself a salary. It could be something small. It could be something on the 1099. The reason being is, so say if you have a home office, a legitimate office in your home, you can write a lease and lease that room to your LLC. And that will make the expenses of your business bigger because as a home-based business taking maybe 20% of all the deductions in your house may be about $1,200. But if you say I'm leasing this room to someone to do business and say it was a basement and you're doing it at $1,000 a month, you now just took this deduction and made it 12,000 instead of 1200. Wow. And most people do not know if you set up an LLC, you can lease personal assets to your corporation and maximize your deductions. So you telling me that uh, the finance uh, uh, that that Cortez Springer uh, who owns a $5,000 Vertimax uh, for my Solid Foundation Athletic Academy, make that an LLC. Now I can lease that equipment to Solid Foundation Athletic Academy. And, <laughs> and all it takes, and, a, and what to make it legitimate is that you're going to make a formal lease agreement. So if you lease the, the equipment to the LLC, you're going to make a lease agreement with how much it costs per month to lease the agreement. And that's all you need in place to stay in IRS compliance because, you know, I'm IRS compliant. There you go. <laughs> that, that is good stuff, guys. So, so we're going to do a little bit of Q&A for, for Yvette. So start getting your questions together uh, for those of you who are watching on Facebook. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of Q&A at, uh, towards the end. So so that's good stuff. And, and I, I wouldn't have thought about uh, that. I did a show uh, uh, a couple of days ago about, um, you know, if you have a home-based business and your parent paying your uh, parents regularly, you're taking care of their bills and all of that kind of stuff, uh, then you can actually lease space from your parents. You're still giving them that money, so you can just lease space from them for that purpose. Now it's a tax write-off for you. So talk a little bit about that as we get into, um, and, and I always try to just make sure that I'm giving good information. I always put my disclaimer out there. I'm not the tax person, but I, I sit at the feet of people like you and Miss Sandra and uh, Michelle and some others, and I ask you all these kinds of questions. So talk a little bit about that. If, if you are paying bills for your parents, you're, maybe you're helping take care of some elderly parents, you're paying their bills on a regular basis anyway. 
Give me a couple of strategies that people can use to make those tax deductible. Well, first of all, most of caregiver expenses is deductible, but mm -hmm. it's deductible on the parent's return. Now, mm -hmm. most people have um, people who come in and take care of their elderly parents, but most of the clients that I have, they have, they're, they're doing their individual returns and their parents' returns because they can't claim their parents because of the income. Um, right. One thing is you can't claim your parent as a dependent. However, their income can't be more than their um, exemption. So this year, 2017, they couldn't have income more than $4,100 or if they're getting Social Security. The Social Security doesn't count. So if the income is not more than $4,100, you could claim your parent on your return with no issues. But the problem comes in a lot of parents, elderly parents are getting social, getting social security, pension, which makes it so they have to file their own return. But you're paying money for caregivers, expenses. Now that can be deducted directly on Schedule A as a medical expense. A lot of people do not know that caregiver expenses for your parents can be deducted directly on the Schedule A by the person who pays it. So if you're the person who pays it, you're the one who can deduct it. And that can be a lot. But the only um, thing about that is if you do that, this is the first option, um, you know that medical expenses has got to be more than 10% of your income. If you have $100,000 income, then the expenses have to be more than 10000 and that might not be, so you may not get the credit. Mm -hmm. Option number two is to have these employees, whoever's doing the caregiving, be an employee of actually your company. Someone that you call in to contract through your company as the caregiver for your parents. So all of this money that you're dishing out, you're actually going to write a 1099. So that way you get rid of that income and mm -hmm. that is how you make it a business expense. So you say, okay, I have um, Sarah come in three times a week to take care of my mom, but she's, I'm not going to pay her directly. I'm going to make, I'm actually going to have my company pay her. So while my company is paying her, now I'm able to take that salary and deduct it off as a business. Wow. That's, see, see, this is why I, I, I have uh, Miss Heath in my corner, man. If you don't have a good accountant in your corner um, and you're trying to do business on any level, man, you're missing out. You're missing out. So, so this, this is important. So that I didn't even think about that hiring the, the caregivers uh, through your company as a 1099, and then letting them go do the work for your parents uh, and things of that nature. But that's just one strategy, guys. If you are paying monthly to take care of elderly parents, then if you have a business, then you can use that to legitimately write off those expenses. So. Now that we're talking about tax deductions and things of that nature, you know I'm a huge advocate of a home-based business, and you uh, wrote a book, uh, Maximizing Your Tax Refund. So even before we get into the addition of adding a home-based business to what you do, let's talk a little bit about just some ways that you can maximize your tax refund, even if you don't have a business that most people miss. Ooh, the most overlooked um, deduction that I see in the office is the student loan interest. Now, most people know if I'm paying for student loans, I can deduct the interest. What happens is there's a lot of parents who are paying for their children's education with student mm -hmm. loans. 
but they don't deduct the interest on their return or they're giving worse one is they're giving it to the kids they're like oh i paid for this loan take the interest on their return and it's not what they're supposed to do that's the most overlooked one also um but most of the ones i know are for people who i guess what people call the side hustle income Mm -hmm. They are getting these 1099s, but not keeping track of expenses. Like you say, Uber and Lyft drivers, they're not keeping track of meals. They're not keeping receipts. I would say for most business owners, if you want to maximize your deduction, simple. Keep every receipt. That's <laughs> it. Get, you know me, I'm the firm believer of the shoebox method. Of course, we have the cash flow manager to take pictures yeah. of receipts. But there's still people who are technology challenged. So right. free shoe box method is for you. Go to the 99 cent store, get three clear shoe boxes, one inside your car in the passenger seat, one in the front of your house as soon as you walk in the door, and one inside of your home base or off-site office. When you buy something for your business, you write what it is on the top and you put it in one of the shoe boxes. If you keep every receipt, you will maximize your deductions. But if you don't have a business, go get one. All you're gonna get is earned income credit, child tax credit, student loan deductions. If you're donating to your 401k, it's gonna lower your income, but then you need a regular IRA outside of it to take another deduction that comes right off the first page of the 1040. Mm -hmm. You just don't have that many deductions as you do as a business. That's why you see the book, the book I love that I love to talk about the 475 all your taxes. That's for corporations, not employees. <laughs> I think I think I think we we have been systematically trained through our school system uh, to fear the IRS. So so many people just think that there was there, there's something wrong with with, with taking the uh, tax deduction, uh, or, or or think that that they can't do it if they don't make a whole lot of money in their business. So talk about the difference between revenue and profit. See, I think a lot of people think of that if I don't make a big profit, and then you have some tax preparers telling people that, oh, well, you didn't make no money, so you can't claim this, and scaring people to yes. death. About, yes. so, so talk a little bit about some of the minimum qualifications, what the IRS says that when, when you're talking about whether you made a profit in business or losses and things like that. Break that down for us real quick. Okay, so every time that you're in business, you are always in the pursuit to make money. No one starts a business to want to not make money. It's right. the reason why we start businesses. So the main thing you want to do, I always say document because documentation is always going to be great for you in case you're ever called in for an audit. So if you start a business, I always tell people, make you can make a one-page business plan and say, this is what is my pursuit in this business and just put it to the side. Now you go out, you start getting expenses. You start maybe purchasing money to get a website, getting business cards. All of these things are showing that you're are revenue producing activities. I'm not going to make a website if I wasn't thinking about making money. I'm not getting business cards if I didn't think I wanted to get money. I'm not making business, having business meals and going to networking events if I didn't think I was going to make money. Now, the end of the year may come and you may not have made a dime because you're in startup. Those expenses up to $5,000 are deductible They're because you're in the pursuit of making business. Don't feel that because you didn't make money, you can't deduct your losses. As long as you 
keep all your receipts, have it properly documented. And that's why I say when people first start a business, you should make a little business plan. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. If you Google is your friend, Google one page business plan. They have one page business plans that you can put. What is your mission, your goal? What is the pursuit that you're going to do? And you could type it all in and print it out because documentation will be your friend. Even people who are in their home, and the home-based business is their number one priority. Like I always say, third-party verification. You have mileage. You're gonna leave your house. You may not entertain every client at your house, so you're gonna leave your house. Track your mileage, but at the beginning of the year, make sure one, you take your car in January 1st, if there's a place that's open, or at least December 31st, and get an oil change. Then on December 31st, you get another oil change because the reason is this is the third party that's verifying your mileage. They're going to let you know the mileage at the beginning of the year when they do your oil change, and you're going to know the mileage of your car at the end of the year when they do the oil change. And then everything that's in the middle is basically subjective. Of course, you're supposed to have written evidence of every one of your miles, all the miles that you take, but you have a starting point and ending point. So that way you know where, how many miles you actually did drive in your car because a lot of people don't know that. And yeah. third-party verification is important with all of these apps. Now you have my IQ. There's another one called TaxBot, which I like. Um, I love my IQ for people who just want to track mileage. Mm -hmm. But if you're a person like me, who are going out on networking, a lot of networking events, meeting with a lot of people for business, and you may um, have meals, TaxBot is the way to go. I mean, it is it's like $100 a year, but business meals, a lot of people do not know. You have to prepare for these. These are not just things you just say, we're going to meet and have dinner, and now it's a business expense. It's supposed to be some type of documentation in the beginning where you actually tell a person, hey, we're going to meet, and we're going to talk about this. Mm -hmm. you, give the, you give the app access to your, actually access to your email. So what it does is when you're getting ready to drive to the location, it asks you, would you like me to tie this email to this um, endeavor and say that this is the business meeting? It tracks where you went, the whole address. It tracks where you left from, the complete address. And then you take a picture of the receipt and it's all a complete package with a boat. So if you ever get called in for an audit, that is your way of audit proofing anything that you're doing in business. Most people are afraid of the IRS because they feel that if they use their home for business, they're going to get the duck. They're going to get an audit. Keep receipts. All they want to see is the receipts. If you get a light bill every month, you keep it. Water bill, keep it. Gas bill, keep it. You're already getting a 1098 that's going to show the interest for your home, your property taxes. All of these things are documented. You can take your deductions. Don't be afraid. Just make sure you keep your receipts. And I'm glad you said that because that was going to be my next question, and you kind of answered it already. They hear the word audit, and correct me if I'm wrong, an audit is simply a review of your documentation of the deductions that you took, right? <laughs> so if you are taking legitimate business deductions and you have documentation, the IRS wants to see, okay, you said that you drove this many miles. What kind of documentation do you have for the miles that you drove for business? Oh, you said you had this many business meals. What kind of documentation do you have if you can prove that these were business meals? 
Oh, you said you bought a, a, a MacBook Super Duper Pro X for $5,000. Where is your receipt to prove that you bought? Right? That's exactly. all, all it is, right? Yes, that's it. And a lot of things also, like with meals, I'm going to say this, but don't do it. They do allow you to, to have up to $75 without a receipt. But do not put this into practice. Get mm -hmm. a receipt for everything that you do. Now, some people be like, Yvette, this is a lot to be doing just to be able to deduct some meals. But just imagine, I want to give you another scenario. I give a seminar at a hotel, fully catered, one-day event, I'm giving lunch. And that lunch is like $4,000 because I've had about 200 people and we're giving full lunch. Because it's a seminar and I'm in the pursuit of selling books, books, speaking, that whole total bill is a hundred percent deductible because meal expenses is only 50 percent but if you give a sales presentation or a seminar whether it's in your home or a outside facility those meals are a hundred percent deductible so right. anyone who is in network marketing should be giving events at their house every time they turn around because if you're giving an event at your house the meals the food that is served there is going to be 100% deductible because you're in the pursuit of doing business. If you decided that you needed to buy a big screen TV and a little computer to hook to it because you're going to be constantly showing this presentation on this TV, it can be deductible. However, you can't be playing TV um, watching Fire Stick afterwards. It has to be a TV that you want. You may actually have to say, look, this is how my room looks when no one's here, and this is how it looks when I'm giving presentations. It's something as simple as that, but you could get a big screen TV, a little computer to hook up to it, the stream, all of that, and it's deductible. Wow. You just and gotta keep the records. Exactly, so, so, so guys, if you, if you haven't learned anything today, learn this, man. The IRS is nobody to fear. There are two sets of tax laws. There's one for employees where you get about 15 deductions, and there's one for business owners, landowners, and investors, and they get about 500 deductions. Which team do you want to play on, right? Now, the cool thing about being a home-based business owner, you get to play on both teams. You can still be an employee, keep your job, keep, keep your steady income to feed yourself, take care of yourself for today, but then get a home-based business that will literally save you I think the last tax return I filed, which was for tax year 2015, because I haven't filed 2016 yet, I think I had about 25,000 in tax deductions, right? So if I made 60,000 on my job, that's gonna lower my taxable income down to 35,000, and I don't pay taxes on 60, I pay taxes on 35, that is a big difference. And that's how, see, see, sometimes we think that wealthy people don't pay taxes. They don't do this. They don't do that. That's how they got wealthy. They didn't start that process once they got wealthy. They used that process to get wealthy. And we're trying to teach working class Americans that, hey, if you're not minimizing your taxes, it's going to be hard for you to build wealth. Because that's a savings for me of about twelve to $15,000 of money that I would have given to Uncle Sam if I was not using these strategies. So give me a couple other little known tax deductions that business owners 
are missing because I learned from Miss Clarissa Pace, I was not doing depreciation. And uh, oh yeah, a lot of people do not do depreciation. They and, don't. And I'm like, man, I got these cell phones that could be depreciated and all my laptop and all that. So talk a little bit about that. It you know, depreciation with me is a funny thing. Mm -hmm. I like depreciation, but only if it's a big asset and you're taking a lot of, um, you're bringing in income. Mm -hmm. I don't like depreciation when you're already at a loss. Okay. I'd rather take, if you're going to get a brand new cell phone, I'd rather just get the cell phone and take the expense all at one time. Mm -hmm. I only like depreciation when the person is actually producing income. When they start producing income, they're, they're positive as far as their, um, their gross receipts. And mm -hmm. when they're finished, they're actually having income in. And that's when I like doing the, doing depreciation. Gotcha. Um, depreciation is a great thing, especially if you're using your home, your home as a business. Of course, you're going to depreciate your home. Um, depreciation is 27.5 years. <laughs> if you're using your home, as your home-based business. However, I only like to use depreciation when the person is actually producing income. I like to hold off on it. It's like my ace in the hole. I don't like, especially if it's something short, um, because like depreciation on a cell phone is only five years. On a desk is only five years. On most office equipment is five years. If you have three years of showing business losses, that depreciation really didn't do anything for you as opposed to you say okay I got all used equipment now at your say your fourth year I've just started my company soared and now I'm buying all new stuff that's when I would like to start depreciation I like to start depreciation when the person is actually um, bringing in income and not having business losses but depreciation is a great thing. I guess a lot of people do not depreciate at all, especially even in their own home. They're taking home um, deductions, but not depreciating their home. But then again, so, a lot yeah. of it because they don't, a lot of it is because they just, they just don't know. And that was one of the reasons why I wrote the book, Maximizing Your Tax Refund. And it, it's in there. It talks about depreciation of the home because a lot of people just didn't know. A lot of people didn't know about, um, leasing personal assets to their LLC. A lot of people didn't know that. Um, I was reading in the comments because someone made a comment about having bank receipts instead of having bank statements instead of receipts. Right. Um, IRS likes receipts. They just like it. You can bring me a bank statement, but the bank statement is really not going to tell them exactly what you purchased. It's going to show the store that you purchased it from. You could have purchased anything at that store. So, right. Bank receipts, they like what they like bank statements for is to show the income coming into your account. That's why they want your bank statements. They don't want your bank statements to show to prove what you purchase. They want to prove the the money that you're actually taking in because they the way they feel is, um, I talked about this before about civil forfeiture, mm -hmm. how people who have a lot of cash in their cash business, which I I, I try to. I train people to take cash out of their business. Reason mm -hmm. being is you can have an account with a lot of cash in it. All it takes is one person to call and say, I think this person is not paying any taxes. You, they, they can look into your funds and say, well, this person been following returns saying they're getting $20,000, but I've got this account over here with over 200000 in it. And just reach in, take some out. Mm -hmm. You don't have to commit a crime. And the IRS has full rights to do this. Wow. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you're not going to get that money back. I mm -hmm. promise you.
This, and if you don't believe, Google is your best friend, remember. Mm -hmm. Civil forfeiture. It is legal. Legal right. season of citizens' money out of their account, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, it it's, and people are like, are you kidding me? There's been people who have been stopped at a, say they ran a red light, cops pulled them over, then decided they had some reasonable suspicion to search their car. Person had like $10,000 in cash in the back of the car. They felt they was doing some type of illegal activity and took the money from them, and they never got it back. Wow, that's, that's crazy. So we got a couple questions here. Uh, one of the questions is, uh, are there any uh, pros and cons to an S-Corp uh, that you can talk about? Okay, so most people know if you have an S-Corp, you are only taxed on the profits that the S-Corp makes as opposed to the income. Mm -hmm. Also, you, if you got a partner in the S-Corp, you, know, you divide the profits between each other and you're able to eliminate self-employment tax, which is what people pay when they do Schedule C's in their personal return. Mm -hmm. However, if you want to become an S-Corp, S-Corp, a corporation, partnership, or a LLC, single member who is regarded as a corporation because if you are a single member LLC for IRS purposes, it's called a disregarded entity. You fill out a regular schedule, see what your personal return, like a sole proprietor, however, you're still an LLC. But you can fill out a form. It's called a 80, I want to make sure the form is 82, 8332. And that just says, I am a single member LLC, but I want to be taxed as an S corp. Now you're able to fill out 1120S and do corporate returns. Mm -hmm. But the main benefit is you only taxed on the profits of the company, and you're only taxed. You get rid of self-employment tax, which most people want to get rid of. But the main thing is you have to be paying yourself a salary. You cannot be a corporation S corp without paying yourself a reasonable keyword reasonable because that's very subjective by the IRS. Mm -hmm. You cannot be bringing in 200,000 worth of income and paying yourself a $20,000 salary unless you got a bunch of employees or something like that. It's not going to fly. Right. Because the IRS knows I can people are going to jump to be an S corp because now you're only taxed on the profits. If if I have took in 100,000 but I only really made 5,000 I'm only going to be taxed on that 5000 and it's going to be at a much lower corporate rate. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a, here you go with a way of how people, you know, skim the numbers. So with that being said, to make sure that you actually are paying enough taxes, they want you to pay yourself a reasonable salary. Gotcha. And that yeah. is subjective. So the best thing I tell people, um, look on pay scale. <laughs> Pick a, pick a position that you're going to be, if, if you're not going to say you CEO, if you're gonna, like me, I'm the owner, but if you see I'm a controller of my company, you look up what a salary a controller makes, and that's your, reason, that's your benchmark. Because more than likely, that's where the IRS is going to go. Well, in your area of Atlanta, Georgia, it says that a controller makes at least 100000 now, I understand that you're a smaller firm, so we'll give you like a area, a great area of tolerance and say you should be making at least 75000 So please explain to me, Miss Best, why are you only making 35000 as a controller? Right. It's not a lot. Right. 
Got you. Got you. So, so the S corp, you got to pay yourself a salary uh, in order to only be taxed on the profits and get away from the self-employment. Yes. You never get away from being an employee. <laughs> but, but as an S corp, you're going to do much better because you are, you're allowing yourself. Now you really know how to play the dozens because you know, as on your W2, you know, you're like, okay, well, I already know I'm not going to owe. So I'm going to do my W4 correctly. Mm-hmm. Make sure I'm max getting most of my money from there. And then right. I'm going to not be paying any taxes because I'm only paying it on the profits. So you're still winning, still mm-hmm. winning. And I still got a home-based business so that I'm going to further deduct my salary from my S-Corp because yeah. of my, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, we winning over here, y'all. So if y'all not, if y'all not, see, see, Miss Yvette doesn't talk about this a lot, but she has a program that you can partner with her on for just $35 a month. And yeah. you get this kind of education and training if you join her team and you will have your own home-based business in the financial education space where she will teach you how to minimize your taxes, eliminate your debt, fix your credit, and some, some, some simple investment strategies. And then if you got another business idea, you want to set up another business, go through another business structure, you, you, you can't lose here. This is why she's on my team. This is why she's in my corner, man, because you need somebody like this in your corner. I had another question I was trying to find. I think somebody said, uh, for the leasing of the space. That yes, I, I just saw that. An apartment, right? Yes, if you have an apartment mm-hmm. and you have an actual room, you still can do the same thing. You just have to make a lease. The main, everything, you just, and everything in business requires some type of paper. I want everyone to get that into their minds and accept that. Every paper trail. Type in the chat paper Paper, paper trail. Everything you do in business requires you to have some type of paper attached. So you have an apartment. You're renting the apartment. You have a spare room. If you rented this room to a person, you would make a lease. You would make a lease because if you wanted to take that person to court for not paying you, you would have a formal lease to take to court. So you make a lease from the LLC to yourself saying that you're leasing the room to the LLC. The only issue I can see anyone having about having an apartment in leasing, if there's a clause in your apartment lease about slub letting. Now that would be for your management company to say, well, we never allow her to sublease, which nine out of 10, you're doing business with yourself. So it shouldn't be an issue. But that's the only issue I could see anyone having if it ever went anywhere further. Well, does your um, apartment complex allow you to sublease? Mm-hmm. And you could just say, I don't know. I got to get a copy of my lease. I'm not really sure. Then you just go ahead and find out. But mm-hmm. for all these scenarios, whether it's your home or apartment, let it be an empty room, not the dining room. Here in Georgia, most of us have formal Dining rooms, which are not closed off, I always say it's best to use a spare bedroom because there is a door that can be closed, and this is an enclosed area. And you can lease that space right to your LLC and make a formal commercial lease agreement, and now you have a business deduction. 
But on the flip side of that, though, if you're just a sole proprietor, you can use an area of your home that's not yeah, small if you're not doing the leasing to an LLC. So I want to be clear. You don't have if you have it, if you're not an LLC, you have a home based business. And like me, I use part of my living room as my studio for my show because it's big enough for my table and all of the equipment and all that kind of stuff. So if you are not leasing formally to the LLC, I can still take this eight by seven space, multiply that and figure out what percentage of the living space it is. And I still get the write off for the home deduction that way. Correct. Yes. And when you're doing those percentages, no more than 30%. I know people are trying to deduct 50% of their home. <laughs> it, it's not going to work. I'm just telling you that. That's how people, these are the things that people do to get ordered. I'm yeah. leaving my whole house to my home base. Where you live at then? Right. <laughs> where do you live? If you're leasing your whole house to your home based business, then where do you live at? Exactly. So, <laughs> you must be living somewhere else. So I would always say in the deduction game, mm -hmm. um, I always you to work, use the rule of three. I do no more than one third of anything. Mm -hmm. I've been doing taxes since 1989. And because I was a senior financial analyst and now a project controller, I look at how my business does deductions. They mm -hmm. They do numbers way, way more than anyone I can see in my practice. Right. So right. I'm looking at how they do different things. And I always see it's never no more than a third. It's never more than a third of what anything they're taking a loss on is no more than a third of what they're bringing in. So that's the rule that I always used. And so far it has worked. Anyone who's always used a third of something or 30% of their home, they have never had an audit. So far... I had my company now 11 years. I probably had one person audit it in all the time that I have had people doing taxes with me. And that was an audit that was the year before he even came to be my client. But I helped him do the audit because when I looked at it, he had like 70% of his income was losses. And I said, who did this? <laughs> and they, you know, they put the numbers together and that's look at the return you get. Look at it. You can do basic math. If not, take out a calculator. If you know that you made sixty thousand, and then you took off forty thousand in losses, and you got twenty thousand worth of income, and you don't have no all receipts for it, you know you're gonna have a problem. Right. Now, if you got all your receipts, by all means, um, yeah. in my term, ball to your fall. But right. make sure you keep document. Doc documents are your friend. Please believe yeah. me that documents can change the life of a tax return. I just had a client owed the IRS $30,000. They had a tax lien on her house. Mm. Just somebody met, met someone that knew me. She lived in Texas. Knew I have a client in Texas because I have clients in like 30 states. So mm. called on the phone said, you need to talk to Yvette. I'm looking at the return. This young lady was in for, had a foreclosure. She went to H&R Block, and I'm putting y'all on blast. H&R Block, <laughs> Texas, and they didn't give a mortgage forgiveness. So she, on the return, she was owing $15,000 on that return. Plus the return before that, she had another house that went into foreclosure. Had to amend the return, add the return, add this form that so she would get the mortgage forgiveness 
and took the $15,000 down to like 800 because that's all she really owed because she had underwithheld from her employer. Wow. All over one form. It took one form to change $30,000 to 821. And see, and, and I want, I want to, I, I don't like to put people on blast, but since you've already gone there, here's the difference between the big box stores and someone like Miss Yvette. The big box stores, those people are on a base salary plus commission according to how many returns they do. So they're on a timetable. So when they set you for those 45 minute appointments, they're trying to get you. That's why when you sit down and say, hey, here's my return, here's all my receipts because I got a home-based business too. Well, they only book you for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to take a single return and make it take three, four, five, six hours when you you messing up their schedule, man. You messing up their commissions. So they will tell you some slick stuff like, oh, that, that's going to be considered a hobby. Oh, you didn't make any profit, so you shouldn't be claiming this and all mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff, man. So you have to be careful. Exactly. And that's why we have Miss Yvette and our coin. So I got a question. One, one young lady said, if I have an LLC in Missouri, but then relocate to Georgia or another state, do I have to apply for the, uh, another LLC in that new state? I, I would. Wherever you are going to be operating your business at, now you can have an LLC in another state. And a lot of people set up LLCs in other states because of the price. And but me, I just too. like to have my LLC in the state where I'm doing business. Um, although I have clients in, again, 30 states, I do not have an LLC in every state because I'm personally in Georgia. Right. Now, I, because I have a large client base in New Jersey, because that's where I, before I moved to Georgia, I've been living here six years. Mm -hmm. I still maintain my LLC in New Jersey only because it's a large uh, client base there. So I do have an LLC in New Jersey and I have an LLC here only be, and mainly because when I was in New Jersey, I had a storefront in New Jersey as well. So I just maintained those two LLCs because of the client base. But I have clients in Puerto Rico. I have no, um, no way that I'm going to ever go to Puerto Rico and start an LLC. That's not going to happen. And plus they have their own um, tax way of way doing taxes that's outside of the u.s tax code a lot of people don't know that as well like you could have people that work in um puerto rico and united states united states has their have one way of doing taxes and actually puerto rico has their own whole tax code system that you right. use when you do their taxes as well all right so coffee asked about the app that you use there's two there's one if you decided to partner with miss yvette uh, for $35 a month, there's an app called Cashflow Manager that you get included in that membership. Uh, and then there's another that she mentioned, which is TaxBot, and that is $100 a year uh, for that one. So uh, it just kind of depends on which way you want to go. If you want the partnership with Missy Beck, um, then you get a Cashflow Manager app and Cashflow Strategist comes with the uh, membership with her or you can just go pay separately for a tax box so that was coffee right good, good stuff let's see if we have any more questions man i um, would i would suggest for them to use the cash flow manager um tax bot is for people who are literally meeting people and again all of this is a discipline so you don't just jump out and start using tax bot it's really is a discipline so most people who start in business they're still learning 
and with the cash flow manager, you're going to have a better compliance. One thing about having a partnership with me, you're going to learn how to operate in business properly. You're, one thing you will have when you're with me, you will stay IRS compliant. Now, a lot of people may feel they don't want to be IRS compliant because they want to play with the numbers. But as you can see, more and more, the IRS is getting more and more, um, giving more scrutiny to returns because they pretty much know we've been getting away with murder all this time. Mm -hmm. So they're starting to really take time to look at returns and see what is on there and just randomly just calling people to see what receipts they have because they know nine out of 10, we're not keeping, they know business owners don't keep good receipts. So mm -hmm. that's the main thing you would get when you have a partnership with me is how to operate your business properly. I tell everybody, I turn employees into bosses. You look very good on paper. You will always have a paper trail and it'll, it'll be basically audit proof. That's the main thing that I always do in business because you don't have time. You too busy worrying about trying to get money. You don't have time to be worrying about getting money and running from the IRS at the same time. It's not right. going to work. Right. How much time we got, Yvette? Because now that uh, you said Oh my goodness, it's 901. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's gone. The IRS gone. Yeah. So you got, you, got, you got time for a few more? Yes, sure do. Okay. okay. Because now that you said that, you turn employees into bosses. Let's talk business credit uh, a little bit, but let me say this real quick before we do that. One of uh, uh, one one question. One person said, "What if I had a house fire and lost all my documents?" Right. So here's why the cash flow manager is so powerful. Cash flow manager uploads everything to the cloud. Now you can still keep paper receipts, but when I pull, I can't pull out my phone because you guys are Facebook Live on my phone. But when I pull out my phone and I'm taking uh, care of business and I'm copying a picture of the receipt and I log everything, it uploads to the cloud. So it's documented there. Then I can still keep the paper receipt if I want to, which I don't. Uh, but if I wanted to, I could. <laughs> keep it a paper receipt. But I, it uploads to the cloud. So you do have some sort of backup. Uh, to that, but any suggestions for somebody who may have lost everything in a fire? Can they go back to some of those stores and get some yes uh, or whatever? Oh yeah, I yeah that's in the book too. I did um mention that receipts was recoverable, and I hated the fact that I put that in there. But I <laughs> wanted people to know you can most times get copies of receipts, and that's where it would be the what I call subjective evidence of when you would call in your, your bank statements and say, I made this purchase, I made this purchase, I had a fire. But you're going to be able to document that you had this actual fire because you, if you have a house and your house had some more fire, I'm hoping that everyone would have home insurance or renter's insurance to show the claim that you was made when this fire occurred. And then you'll have a list of all your documents. Again, paper trail, paper trail. <laughs> a list of all your documents that were lost because you want to have that documented. When they say, what did you lose? I lost all my tax receipts for years 2013, 14, 15, 16. Have them documented for you. Because that way when they, when they give the claim, you can show all the documents that were lost. Mm -hmm. Now, can the IRS be funny and say they don't want to let you take the deduction? Of course they can, because you can't prove it. But you can go back to the bank and get copies of statements, and that's where you will start trying to highlight and trying to remember things that you have taken. But the main thing is, if you get a fire inside your house, have mm -hmm. that insurance company document every all the documents as well as property and clothing that was lost. 
Right. Powerful, powerful. So, guys, I know we got some questions that we won't get to because I can't keep Miss Yvette all morning. So she will be in the chat and answer some of these questions throughout the day and, and the chat. So some of you guys will get a written uh, answer. And then what we'll do is when we have better timing, we'll take these questions and we'll put together a, a, a video chat um, so that we can answer these questions at a later date because this is good stuff because I want to get her to touch on business credit because you said you turn employees to bosses and this is the difference between legitimizing your side hustle versus thinking you're getting some cash under the table you're not paying taxes <laughs> you legitimize your side hustle you get it looking good on paper what that can do for, for you from a business credit perspective well i could give them a one minute clip on business credit just something short that they can do today Mm -hmm. Um, I think my sister is still on here. Um, Mojo. everybody knows me. Yes, Mojo knows. That's that's my sister. We have she basically my sister. We've been knowing each other since like 1990s. She's probably the only person who has been consistently in my life longer than my husband. Wow. So, <laughs> and it, it's funny. She even got kids. One of her little daughters look just like me and everything. So yes, it's <laughs> um, um. So main thing to do. Go to Dun & Bradstreet and sign up for a number. It's free. Don't take anything but the free Dun & Bradstreet number. Mm -hmm. Then, once you get your Dun & Bradstreet number, you're going to apply for Quill, Granger, and Uline. They love new business owners. Those three, you need three trade lines reporting to um, Dun & Bradstreet. You can order, if you don't have things, like you're just starting up a business, then order things that's for your house. Ranger has tools, Uline has boxes and storage stuff, and Quill has office supplies. And they also have a whole janitorial section. You buy it, they usually give you net 30 to pay, but you want to pay within 15 days. Reason being, Dun & Bradstreet gives you a leg up when you pay early. They, they love when they see people paying early. Because with Dun, one thing about business credit, unlike personal credit, that 35% makes your payment history. Business credit... 50% is your payment history. Wow. Only thing other businesses want to know is how you pay. Mm -hmm. So new business, get a Dun & Bradstreet number, it's free. Open up an account with quill.com, uline.com, granger.com, all free. And then order some little bit of stuff and pay it because you're going to be starting to show your history. Then when you get a little bit more established, go to cabbage.com. They do loans. Take out a small loan for 1000 pay right back. And you're going to start building all your trade lines and then your business credit will start to grow. And you can do this even before you start doing business. I remember you told me you had this going before you created your separate storefront. So when you walked into yes. that storefront, business credit was on fleek. Do you yes. I started it actually one whole, the first year I was in business in 2006, that whole year I was doing this before I moved to the storefront in 2007 in Nutley, New Jersey. Wow. And then uh, talk a little bit about the business address, though, because that has to be separate from the home, right? Yeah, well, yes. I wouldn't use my, I, me personally, I would not use my home address on anything. And also, Dun & Bradstreet does not like you to use P.O. boxes. So mm -hmm. I would tell you to um, get a virtual address, um, Use a, a different address other than your home that you wouldn't mind being public. I just, because you have to understand, not only 
when it comes to business credit, that's different from personal credit because your personal credit is not um, viewable to other people. It's not visible. But your business credit is. Anybody can pay to see what your business credit is like. Your investors, other clients, competition, um, and make it public. So you want to make sure you keep your business profile clean. And I don't like to use addresses that are searchable, even though at this point in the matter, if you own a home, anybody can find you. Because right. property taxes is um, is free information. Why right. a lot of people are using what I call land trust to hide where they live now. So let me just say this: this is this is how this is how uh, black economics can work, right? Because if I need a business address to start this process of building my business credit. It is easy for me to go to somebody I know who is already in business in a storefront and say, hey, I know your monthly rent or lease is this. Let me give you $100 a month to use this address and you give me a little. All I'm renting is a mailbox. I don't need any space. I just need to. So I'm helping them pay their bills monthly and they're helping me with an address so I can start the process of establishing my business credit. Maybe I do this for a whole year and then next year I'm into my storefront, which is my actual business address, then I can do that. So this is how we can help one another. So everybody knows somebody who has their own business in their own storefront. Don't go there and ask them, can I just use this address? Go there and say, hey, can I pay you? to rent a mailbox here. I got $100 a month. Here's $1,200 for the whole year. I'm gonna have some mails uh, delivered here for my business, is that okay? So th there's ways that we can do this while we're helping each other and everybody's starting to build and grow and you're starting to build good business relationships and things of that nature. So Yvette, I know we've kept you a little bit over, so give us your parting thoughts uh, and tell everybody where they can go grab the books and all that good stuff. Well. Like I said at the beginning of the hour, love yourself a little more. Yes. And don't be, don't feel that because where you are today doesn't dictate where you're going to be tomorrow. And if there's something in you that you want to do, just do it. And mm -hmm. don't allow anyone to take you off a of focus of that. Um, the main thing I would say, I'm not, I have it in here, but I'm not wording it correctly. Do what is good for you. A lot of times we buy stuff, do stuff that we, that living a lifestyle other people want us to live. Living, having other people live vicariously through you. Just be you. It's okay to be you. Yeah. Um, that is something a lot of people struggle with. They go out and buy stuff to impress other people who cannot even afford the things that they're getting. Stop it. Just stop it. I can basically do everything that I want. I am the most low-key person you see. I most Everybody like, I drive a foreign. I drive a foreign. I drive a foreign. It's a kill. <laughs> it's a kill. It's foreign. Ain't right. going out here. But it's paid for. Cash. No, no note. See, no note gets you out of the country. Because I know people who make 200, 300,000 and never left here. They ain't never left the United States because they're this, this high, higher than this computer screen in debt. Yeah. Because they, they're driving around new cars every year, 2017. You see them, you're like, oh, wow, leasing Bentleys, living in an apartment. No, stop that. Just keep your money in your pocket and bill you for yeah. your family. It's not even, the money's not even for you. 
The money is for your legacy. What you going to leave behind? You going to die and leave them a coach bag? Really? No. No, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you want to get the book, Amazon.com. Um, type in the benefits of becoming an LLC or maximizing your tax refund or even type in my name, Yvette D. Best. It will take you there. If you need a hard cover of the book, you have to go to MaximizingYourTaxRefund.com because um, that's a website that's just dedicated to the book. It has my blog there with tax um, advice. Um, you could buy a hardcover of the book, which has some like digital bonuses with it. It's um nineteen ninety five, free shipping, and then um no, we ain't going to Amazon. We going there. No, yeah, go to go to maximizingyourtaxrefund.com. <laughs> we ain't going to also, Amazon. Go there. Um, also, if you want to partner with me in business, you can go to joinevetnow.com. Thirty five dollars a month. You get to partner with me. I get to get you audit proof and IRS compliant and operating your business properly straight from the beginning or in the middle because you can still have an established business and we get you on the right foot because paper trail is going to be your best friend. You may say, Yvette, this is a headache, but I'm telling you, when you're good on paper, you're not going to have to worry about nothing else. All you're going to have to be focused on is how much money more I'm going to get in my pocket. Exactly. Good stuff. Good stuff. So so I, I told you guys, man, well, this is what we do, man. I, I try to bring out people who are serious, people who know their stuff, people who have a good story to tell, who can be uh, inspiring uh, and encourage uh, all of us to be better and do better. So you guys have been listening to and learning from author, entrepreneur, uh, wealth strategist, Miss Yvette D. Best right here on Talk Money in the Morning Live. So uh, this is day four of our Black Literature Week. We got one more day, guys. So we won't do um, free game Friday. We don't won't, don't do the live Q and A Friday because we got two more authors that I'm going to present to you guys tomorrow. So super super excited about that. Uh, again, today's uh, show was brought to you by my man Mikey knows about business. If you haven't got this, man. Uh, what we're doing is we're pushing to make this kid a Amazon best-selling author. Next Saturday, we need everybody to go on to Amazon.com, download the uh, the ebook, uh, the Kindle book for a dollar ninety-nine. We're trying to get a thousand people to do that on Saturday, and we will make this kid a Amazon best-selling author. He's already an entrepreneur. He said, "Coach." I, I want to be a bestseller now. First, he wanted to be a business owner. Got that out. Got five vending machines under his belt. Then he said, I want to write a book to teach kids how they can start a business. Got that done. He see that, you know, once he says something, he can make it happen. Now he says, you know what? I want to be a bestselling author. I said, let's go get it, bro. Let's go do it. Let's go do it. So that's our campaign. So I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I'm your main man, H. Cortez, the one and only financial health mentor to the black community. Until I talk to you guys tomorrow, I want you to get your money up because you absolutely can do it. Peace out, people.